Started as a seed that grew inside a mama Learned our victories and everything that we conquer The creativity to switch the gears like karma Now I wear our history like it's a badge on a From sports to the music to teachers From students we made this, we do this Our greatness is proven And we gon' level up more until our excellence is evident Listen up ladies, gentlemen, everyone with some melanin Culture, do it for the culture What's going on, kings and queens? It's your girl, the one and only Tate Jordan. This is for the Culture Podcast. And as always, I got another dope guest I'm really excited to speak with this evening. Um, you guys know I, I, the podcast is a reflection of me, my interests, and everything that um, I'm really excited to talk about. This is another episode about real estate, specifically the NACA program. Um, I know a lot of us are not too familiar with it, but it is a great program that I think, you know, people that's interested in becoming first-time homebuyers um, should really, you know, look into. So um, I first found out about this brother on the, uh, they changed the name. It's, it was Todd Capital. Oh, the Opus um, Scott show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Opus B. Scott show. Yeah, man. Shout out to Rashana and Todd, um, or Charles, I should say. But uh, yeah, so this is none other than Andre Hayes. Andre is from Chi-Town. Chi-Town represented. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. He is a multifaceted entrepreneur from the south side of the Chi. Um, he's accumulated over $1.4 million worth of real estate assets through the NACA program. He's committed to a mission of helping others attain financial freedom through multi-unit real estate by utilizing the NACA program. Andre, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you. No doubt, no doubt. Um, so yeah, so I usually, you know, the first thing I ask my guests, you know, for those that's, you know, not familiar with you, I know you got quite the platform on Instagram, but for those that's not familiar with you, if you could just give us a background, you know, let us into your world, where you're from. Well, we know you're from Chicago, but let us in into your background. Um, I say I'm from the south side of Chicago. Um, ended up being adopted into my own family by my aunt. Was raised in um the western suburbs, uh, Maywood, Broadview area. Went to Proviso East High School. Um, from Proviso East, I had a a huge network of um really cool friends. Ended up um becoming tight with some guys who ended up going to the NBA, which put me in tune with um a lot of good people and a lot of um. Uh, Oh, I ain't going to let that just go. Who who you cool with in, in on the league? I'm an NBA uh, agent. By the way. Right now, right now, my guys aren't playing ball anymore. But at the time, oh. we were younger. Um, uh, D. Brown and Shannon Brown were two of my closest friends. And uh, I went to high D. school. D. Brown that was in the backcourt with, uh, with uh, Darren Williams? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. what's yeah. up. And Shannon Brown, let me tell you a funny story about that. So, uh you know, LeBron James, obviously, from Northeast Ohio. So I had went to the McDonald's All-American game, and Shannon Brown was playing as well, and he was in a slam dunk contest. Yeah. And I don't know if we hit LeBron with the hometown. Y'all home did. Y'all did. You know why that went. Because Shannon definitely should have won that slam dunk contest. 60 from the free throw line. Like, that was the first time anybody had ever done that. 
Yeah, yeah, especially high school. So yeah. you know what that made me do? I started following him at Michigan State, and I had been following him. I and mean, he got drafted to Cleveland, but Mike Brown ain't playing, man. Yeah, he ended up um, doing well in Phil Jackson's system where he was a, a yeah. major contributor to the Lakers' uh, back-to-back championships they won. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he had a he had a really good run. A really he good did. Run. I wanted. You know what? We we played Booby Gibson, but we didn't give Danny Green or Mike or Shannon Brown no tick. But I wanted Shannon because the athleticism, like Shannon, definitely could have helped yeah. Ron back yeah. then. But that's great. He went on to have a great career. So shout out yeah. to Shannon Brown. For sure. <laughs> My bad. I mean, to interrupt you, but yeah, go ahead. Nah, you good. And then um and then like I say, those those relationships put me in tune with some really cool people. Who, um just you know saw potential in me invested in me time you know money just you know a little bit of everything and made sure that I um you know I got on the right path and I was straight um I was rapping for a little while um ended up realizing that rapping wasn't really paying the dividends that I would like for it to have paid and I spent a lot of time doing it so I had to really like um pivot I don't like to say quit I just had to pivot you know what I mean and, and do something different and um and take a different route to try to get to the bag. You know what I mean? I honestly feel like, you know, the things that you go through are just like kind of like necessary to to build you up and get you to where you need to be, essentially, you know what I mean? To help somebody else. That's a fact. Shout out to pivoting. That, that's that's real. Sometimes that's definitely necessary. So so rapping from the shy, y'all y'all got some spitters. That's what's up. What made you stop rapping yeah. though? You said what made me start or stop? Stop. Um I had just got to the point where I was doing it for like 10 years and I had been like doing it seriously. I had songs on the radio. Like I said, I had a really big network. So it wasn't nothing for me to get in rooms with people and just, you know, all of these different things. But it was just like, just things just wouldn't work out. Like, you know what I mean? I've sat down with record label executives, you know what I'm saying? All of these different things. Um, had concerts with, you know, just like some of your favorites. I've met Jay-Z and Beyonce. They just, you know what I mean? Just like, you know? Oh, that's super dope. Yeah, yeah. I met um I met them at the final four when uh Dinam was playing North Carolina in the championship game. They seats was like right next to mine. It was crazy. But um yeah, just just like all of these different things and um it just never panned out. And after a while, you like you just realize like, yo, I'm at a certain age, I'm at a certain point in my life, I want certain things for my life, and it's not looking like this particular path is gonna get me, you know what I mean, to the place where I'm trying to go and where I'm trying to get to. So I just had to, like I said, I had to pivot, make some changes, um, rearrange some things in my life, and um, really just, uh, just like, just like go through this whole renaissance phase, which is, you know what I mean, with my name, just like, just a whole new birth, just like a reawakening, just like to come alive again, almost like a phoenix, you know what I mean, just burn the old me and come back alive, a whole different person with a different mindset, and um, it's worked out just amazingly for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so I know that you are, um, so into how did, how did that pivot into real estate occur though? Like what made you, you realize like, okay, you know, I don't want to do this rapping thing anymore. I got to pivot. Why so, pivot into real estate though? So after, you know, after I finally decided to like, you know, it's a rap bang on no more studio time, none of that. I went and got me a regular job. It was just like a, a trash ass job too. It was like a telemarketing company where I'm sitting in a cubicle calling people, trying to put them in like the weakest colleges that we can possibly offer anybody. You know what, what I'm saying? Was, what you was doing, DeVry? Yeah, DeVry University, AIU. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Just like standard uh-huh. colleges. Yeah, and uh, and 
But the crazy thing is the job paid me really well. I excelled at the job. I'm, I'm a people person, so it was easy for me to talk to people on the phone. It was easy for me to convert people. I got big bonuses, which um, put me in position to um, save up money. But while I was doing that, I had told myself, like, okay, yeah, you're going to step away from music or whatever, but you're not going to give up on your goal of being wealthy because that just ain't who you are. You know what I mean? You know what you come from. You know what you've been through. And this has always been a goal of yours. So we're going to stick to that goal. So I honestly just started looking up how people are out here getting wealthy outside of sports and entertainment because, like, we as black people feel like that's it for us. Sports, entertainment. Like, mm -hmm. ain't no, ain't no. Man, you know what that line remind me of? Jay actually got a line back at, back in the day, ho. Uh, reasonable doubt. He said, all this black Scottish sports entertainment, even can't, as long as I'm breathing, can't knock the way it's eating. Yo, yeah. that's real, though. Like, um, I think a lot of times for us to, you know, get to the next level, if, you know, we either think, we got it. What what big say? Either you sling crack rock, sling crack rock, or you got a wicked jump shot. Like that's just that's yeah. the mindset. Like that's what we think because that's what we see. That's what we exposed to. We're not exposed to the stock market. We're not exposed to real estate investors, real estate developers. We're not exposed to ownership. Like you know what I mean? Of course, it's great to be LeBron James, but wouldn't you rather be the person that's giving LeBron James his check? Absolutely, because we don't Absolutely. know how much he's making. For him to be able to pay LeBron James $250 million, shit, how much you think he got? Like, you know what I mean? That's I want to be, be dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's like, real. Yeah, yeah. And that's, and, that's, and that's just how I started thinking. And um, so I got to this job, and I'm like, all right, what are people doing to get wealthy? How are people making money out here? And everything that I came across, um, I kept, I just dug into books and just, you know, um, financial magazines and whatnot real deep. Everything that I came across was real estate in the stock market. Real estate in the okay. stock market repeated over and over and over. Everybody getting wealthy through real estate in the stock market. Long-term investing. Like, it's not how we talk. Like, man, go get a $50 million contract. Like, no, yeah. that's, that's rare. Like, that, you know what I mean? That route is rare. That's why you got 400 jobs in the NBA, but you got 50 million people trying to get them, though. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's, like, let's, let's go, let's go a, a, a route where we know you can actually, you know what I mean, be successful. And not saying that you can't be successful, but the, like, the real, like, chances are slim to none with that. So let's, let's, let's put ourselves in position to be wealthy outside of those things. And even if we do chase those things, you can still do this. I used to think the only way for me to get into real estate was for me to get a lot of money first and then start investing in real estate. Mm -hmm. I ain't know nothing about credit, finance, and leverage, like any of these different things. All I thought was if a property costs a hundred thousand dollars, I need a hundred thousand dollars to get it. Not the man. That's so that's so good you got on that because I think that's that's reflective of the mentality of the culture. I'm guilty of that. Like you know. I just thought like, oh, you know, I don't make enough to own real estate. You know, that's something yeah. I got to get all this accumulation of capital before yeah. I go buy something. Like, that's such a fib. That's so inaccurate. So I'm it's happy you touched on that. Yeah, such a fib. Yeah. So, um, I just started digging in, like I say, books, magazines, everything. And it got to a point after a couple of years, like all of the information that I had read and all of the information that I had come across, it started to be so like um, repetitive and redundant. It just started to repeat itself. So mm -hmm. it was like, oh, now you got to go out and take action. What you're going to do, you're going to keep on reading. You're going to be the smartest motherfucker in the world. Or <laughs> you're going you to actually go out here and be, you know what I mean, what it is that you're reading about and become, like, who you're supposed to be. So, like yeah. I said, through those relationships that I built through, like I said, Shannon and Dee, I had a mentor. Her name is Kiyoki Allen, um, big sister of mine. Uh, she's a real estate broker. Just handled a lot of business for um, a lot of important people, you know what I mean? She just was on top of her shit, just 
all the time that I've known her. And she okay. took me under her wing, and you know what I mean? And she was always 100 with me. And um, she um, she gave me a job at her real estate office, like, immediately after I started rapping. That was before I got this job that I was just telling y'all about. And um, okay. she gave me a job at her real estate office, but it didn't quite work out because it was, like, 2008, 2009 when the recession had hit, business mm -hmm. was really that good but this lady had invested a lot into me like she put me in real estate school um had wow. me assist her walking through properties just like all of these different things because she believed in me she saw um she saw me when i was younger she saw me around shannon um she just you know like saw the potential that i had and, and, and just really like poured into me and uh and one day she pulled me into her office like hey dre you know what i mean i'm gonna have to shut the office down things ain't going you know quite how they need to be going but I'm going to say this to you. You are smarter than what you think you are. You're better than what you think you are. And you have a lot more potential than what you think you have. And mm. you got to get out here and figure this shit out. You know what I mean? And um, she, she gave me my last check and she kind of left me with that. And um, like I said, that's when I went and got that job. So after a couple of years of me working, reading these different magazines and books and, you know, all of this different stuff that I had uh, come across, I called her. I'm like, hey, I'm ready to buy a house. I got like, you know, 10 grand saved up. You know, I got my job, my work history, all of the stuff that I need to be eligible and qualify for a house. Seems like, I mean, that's cool, but you need to look into you an investment property. And that was mm -hmm. like a light bulb had went off because I had just read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which told me the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It had, and it had broke down how to do it, the purpose behind it, the mindset behind it, why this is how you need to be thinking and everything. So, yeah. for me to read that, so for me to read that book and then for somebody that I trust and love to come right behind that and be like, yeah, this is what you need to be doing. It was yeah. like, man, that ain't God. I don't know what is. You know what That's I'm saying? True. So and when you first hit her up, you was calling her on the, you wanted to buy a primary residence. I was going to buy a house. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. I was going to buy a home with a backyard, a three bedroom. Oh, okay. Standard American dream type shit, you know? Right, right. He just really had schooled me like, boy, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> That's real though, but you know what? Most people do it. Most people do it. Yeah, so that was real cool of her. And she was like, so this is what you do. Go look into a multi-unit. And there's this program called NACA. You know what I mean? But she and she was a um, a real estate broker agent, so she know about all of this different stuff. And um, she just really big on helping people. So whatever programs they have out there that mm -hmm. are uh, assist you know minorities or low income, she be on them. And um, she was just like, look, I got this program for you. A lot of people don't know about it, but they the best out. So here, you know what I mean? Take this information out and go check out their website and sign up for one of their seminars they have at the churches. So I did everything she said because like like I say, I trust and I love this lady to death. Mm -hmm. um she told me dre go jump off the bridge at four o'clock you know what i mean there's gonna be some money right there you know what i'm saying just you just got to be there to catch it and how your parents are gonna do it that's how much i trust her, you know what i'm that's saying uh, and, that's uh, trust for real yeah yeah and I, <laughs> and, I, and I did it and i did it and um it was probably the best decision i ever made um because okay. after after that you know i met with my mortgage counselor and uh he schooled me to the game and was just kind of like yeah man we the best out and with what you're trying to do, like, we're perfect for it. You know, you got everything that you need, pretty much. You got a couple of things that you got to take care of as far as, like, your car note, little stuff like that. Go pay that off and then come back. So I went and cleared all my bills and different stuff out. And um, I got my approval letter to start searching for my property with NACA. Um, and NACA is the Neighborhood Assistance Corporations of America. Um, okay. They have the lowest interest rates, no money down. They take care of your uh, attorney. 
and your agent costs, your closing costs. The only thing that you have to pay for out of pocket is um, property inspections. They so when that, there is no, like, because I know with the FHA, you know, uh, is 3.5% down. So with NACA, there's no percent, like zero, zero. like don't that zero? zero? So what you got to do to be eligible? The same thing you got to do for every other program. Okay. But, but the thing is, they have a benefit whereas your credit score don't matter. As long as you can show that your debt is paid off. So it so this is how it worked for me. Um I went in, I think I had like I said, I had my car note, like an old T Mobile bill and like a light bill or something like that on my name, right? And um he was like, You got the money to pay for this now? I was like, Yeah. He's like, Man, just pay for this. Like don't what you waiting on letters and all that stuff to come for. Like just call them, right. pay it off, have them send you a letter and bring it back to me that it's paid. And I'll get it to our underwriters and our underwriters are going to put this through because they're not going to wait for a letter to come back, then for it to show up on your credit, then for your credit score to change. They're just like, no, nah, we're going to take this as is. This is your approval letter to say your debt has been paid with this company or whatever. And they're going to push it forward. Not even concerned about your credit score, just more so concerned that you don't have any current debt hanging over your head. You know what I mean? What about and like student loans and stuff? Student loans, that's isn't it won't stop you from getting the loan, but it will go against your debt to income ratio though, depending on how much you're paying every month. So, okay. so they don't they don't hold it against you. They just be like, yo, this is just something that you can't afford towards a house. You know what I mean? Okay. I yeah. see. You know what? I had heard of NACA a few years ago, but I had stopped looking into it because um somewhere I was reading that because I know I want a house hack and I wanted to do an investment property as well. And they were saying, like, it can't be an investment property. And then I was like, well, I may want to move out one day. Like, and it just so stiff. So I just was like, yeah. I'm going to have to do FHA. I mean, most, most mortgages and just um, lenders are, strictler, are sticklers when it comes to, like, different rules and stuff that you're supposed to, like, follow and live by. But at the end of the day, like, I always tell people, man. They don't got like no security team riding around looking to see if anybody. <laughs> these okay, good, because I, I, I was like, like real, like, oh shit, yeah. I ain't trying to get. <laughs> yeah, it, ain't, it ain't like that at all. Like I moved out, put my a friend of mine in my old apartment already. Like it's just like people be looking too deep into this stuff and just like, and of course NACA is gonna try and enforce the rules because that's what they're supposed to do. But mm-hmm. once you close, like you're not even dealing with NACA anymore. It's you and your lender. Like you're dealing with the bank and the bank. The last thing that they want to do is come back and trying to take some old two hundred and fifty thousand, three hundred dollar dollar property off your hands and put it right. back on. Like hell no, they want you to be responsible for this. They want you paying the interest rate. The last thing they're gonna do is come back and try and take it from you because you moved out. Like hell no, they don't. Only time they're gonna take it back is if you're not paying the mortgage. As long as your mortgage is getting paid, nobody's concerned about who's living there. <laughs> that makes sense. So uh, before we get into, you know, your involvement in NACA programming in terms of how that deal looked, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the eligibility. So I know you said it's standard for every other program, but for NACA, like for the, um, I guess what's really attractive to it is compared to FHA is the 0% down, like that's huge. So my question to you is in terms of a credit, a certain credit score too. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a big deal. That's a big difference. Um, so my question to you is, like, for instance, the um, obviously it's the same with any lender or FH or any program. In terms of job, like, I got a buddy that made sure she wanted me to ask this question for NACA. So she's a freelancer, right? So mm-hmm. 
FHA told her that she wasn't eligible for the loan because she couldn't show work history of more than two years because, you know, her job is contract-based. It's spotty. It's steady, but it's not like she's not like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? She's not full-time with anybody. She's not yeah. like getting benefits and stuff like she's that. She's pretty much, she's self-employed pretty much. Right. So for NACAT. Let me ask you, does she operate under LLC or anything like that? No, she W-2. She's not 1099 or anything like that. It is in her name, but it's just like she's not a full-time employee. Okay. Um, now, I'm not sure how that works. I know with a business, you're fine. Um, if she has two years of taxes, she's fine. I don't think they'll go any farther back than two years. Two years, she should be okay. Um, okay. Now, as far as the, the spotty checks and spotty employment i'm not sure how that would work because i think because i heard not do not get call like right before you close and call your employer and make sure you're still working there they do they do all of that just like like i said just like everybody else like this is the okay. same stuff that everybody else do like they they crossing their t's and dotting their ass too you're essentially asking them for hundreds of thousand dollars at no cost like <laughs> like to you like you know what i'm saying like you're right not right Thing. so like they're definitely going to do their due diligence they're going to have you turn in paperwork two and three times just like all of these different things and sometimes people get frustrated by it but me all i saw was benefits like you know what i mean like and you get the option to buy your interest rate down so not only do they give you the lowest interest rate on the planet you get the option to buy it down lower if you want to what does that mean like how, how can you buy so, your interest so rate? for example let's say the interest rate is three percent, right? Okay. And you have you have cash sitting, or let's say the seller decided to give you some cash back at closing. You can either take that cash that the seller gave you and utilize it to buy your interest. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Why would the seller the seller selling? Why would they give you? Why would they give the buyer cash back at selling? What you mean? Hey, that's how real estate works. They want to sell their house, so they try to do whatever they can to help you. You know what I mean? Buy the property, so they. Okay. Don't, give you money back towards the like the closing cost or like certain oh, okay so like them paying their closing, them yeah. paying their closing or, cost or 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 just like um for repairs like this like i said they may not have done certain repairs on the property and they don't want to necessarily deal with it so they'll just give you the money to fix the property so they'll give it to you inside of the deal like okay gotcha. so this requires 30 grand for you to fix this property so we'll give you the 30 grand inside of the deal like it just you know, it's all about how you work the numbers and with the contracts and stuff like that. Okay, interesting. And everything is negotiable, so that's that's super. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like that's the whole thing. Everything is negotiable. So like, um, with my first deal, um, yeah, let's get into that. I'm, I'm excited. Tell me about this first yeah, deal. Get into my first deal with NACA. Um, so my first deal was a four unit that was already fully occupied One one of the units was available for me to move in everything else was fully occupied ready to go um i got a two and a half percent interest rate zero money down i walked away from the closing table with a five thousand dollar check and the day after i closed i received all three rent checks from all the apartments because i closed at the end of the month wow so, yeah so that's crazy yeah, so again, four-unit investment property, 2.5% interest rate, $5,000 check, walked away with that immediately after closing, after not paying anything. So I kept all of the money that I saved and got an extra five grand. And then the next day, I started getting rent checks. So you walked away, the, the asset, the house, yes, a, a $5,000. Now, what was the $5,000 for? Like, why did the seller give you the, so, that was the closing so, cost? 
so the seller gave me that money on top of um it was a uh a, a tax credit or something like that that they had owed but everything had came back it's paid and clear so they're like okay the agent got their money lawyer got their money who the check go to it go to him like you know what i'm saying Everybody had, everybody had got their check. It's five grand left. Like, it go to me. And um, so I got that check on top of, like I said, I got to keep all of my money that I had saved up and everything for the program. So it was okay. real cool. Yeah. And, oh, then, and like, this is the money you saved from your job. How much, if you don't mind me asking, like, how much had you had saved? Um, by that time, it was like uh, like 13 grand. That's what's up. And did you have to show? Because I know there's not a down payment or anything, but did you have yeah, to like some money? Yeah. And sometimes, okay. depending on the cost of the property or how the deal work out, you might have to put a down payment down. But that just depends on you. They try to put you in a situation where you don't have a down payment. But sometimes people be like, "Hell no, I want something really nice in a really nice neighborhood." So you know, this is what I'm gonna do, and this is how I'm gonna go about it. That's how I did my second deal. Like I say, the second deal, um, it was a big chunk of money that I had to put down, but it's a small chunk of money in the grand scheme of things because what you have to put down on a million dollar property is way more than what I put down on a million dollar property on the second day. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, we doing it for the culture, baby. Yo, if you rock with this podcast, then you'll definitely like the For The Culture podcast as well. I like that. Hosted by Tay Jordan. Oh. It's a brand new podcast that highlights black millennials doing dope things in entrepreneurship, real estate, and get financially lit. I mean, literate. The it's For The Culture lit. podcast is all about building legacies and changing the narrative. One guess at a time. Let's get, get You'll get, get it. a free game and jams to help the culture level up in 2020 and beyond, baby. Now, we're going to be talking some of the fun stuff too because the culture loves that duality. Ha <laughs> ha. Did you say duality? Yeah, because we also talk blacks in sports, film, and music. So go ahead. You can find us on all podcasting platforms wherever you listen. That's Anchor, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. And of course, you can subscribe to the For The Culture YouTube channel. Hold up. Just so you know, it's For The Culture with a four, the number four, and a K. And you can also stay in tune with the movers and shakers of the culture by following at underscore For The Culture with a K on IG and liking our Facebook page at For The Culture Podcast. Yo, we got the juice. So tap in for the culture. It, 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 it's the For the Culture Podcast. All right, now back to the show. Yeah, that's real. So in terms of what you can get approved for, I guess it's like every other program is based off your income, your debt-to-income ratio, right? Not even just that. What you can get approved for, if you're looking for a multi-unit, how that works is, it depends on the rents that the building is generating already. So I tell people all the time, when you're looking for a multi-unit, try to find something that's already occupied because what they'll do is take 75% of the income that the building is generating and apply it to yours. Now that's a part of your income. So this is a full example. So let's say a building is generating $4,000 a month, right? Okay. And let's say the mortgage on that building is... Mm, $2,500 a month, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say you, at your job, you make $1,000 a month, mm -hmm. right? So now you looking at it, you can't afford this. The mortgage is $2,500, you make right. $1,000, right? So uh -huh. what they'll do is take three of the $4,000 that that building generates, apply it to your $1,000. Now you make $4,000 a month, which puts you way ahead of the $2,500 mortgage. So now this building is uh -huh. easily affordable. So those rents, those established rents, is your income counts as your income. It counts as your income, uh, and, they, and they're yeah, not even using great. all of them initially. They're only using seventy-five percent of it. 
Okay. So when you get in there, you'll get 100% of That's those. That force. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes perfect sense. But let me ask you. So if the property is vacant and there's no tenants that currently occupy, would they go off anticipated rents or how does that work? Okay. You wish they would. Everybody would do that if they did. You know what I mean? I wish okay. they would have did I would have bought spanking brand new buildings, but you know, that it just ain't how it worked. Like okay. I thought about doing it like that. You got to have tenants in there ready to go or either okay. have them signed and have them ready to move in upon you closing or else they won't do the deal. Unless you, oh, wow. less, unless you can afford it without tenants being in there. But the whole goal is to try and get you something that's already like occupied. So immediately when you close, you can start cash flow. That's what gotcha. I, that's working for so me. So by it being occupied then, so NACA probably wouldn't be the best thing for um, a fixer upper, like for Ooh. a person that wanted to do, okay. I would not suggest dealing with NACA for anything that has to do with reno or repairs. Um, they have a department called the hand department that's outside of NACA and um, they deal with all 203K, um, any rehab renovations. And I know because I've tried to do renovation loans with NACA before and I almost lost $10,000 in earnest money. Woo, uh, 10 billions. Yeah, How'd that happen? Yeah, trying to do a, a rehab deal with NACA. So, uh, you know, you have a contract and the contract expires, you know what I'm saying, after a certain amount of time. So NACA, we have to, when you're trying to do a rehab, you got to send them the property, send them all of the, you know, the bid from the contractor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then you have to wait on NACA to get back to you. And they're not the most time-friendly people at all. They take their time. Right. They take their time. So they're not the most time-friendly people. So mind you, real estate contracts are time-sensitive, very time-sensitive. So we're getting close to the contract expiring and then we find out that the property doesn't come back it doesn't appraise out you know what i'm saying mm. so now we're stuck with having to figure out how we're going to fix this place up or make it appraise out for us to even get approved by our lender and also wow. how we're going to get all of this done before this contract expires and we lose this ten thousand dollars so this is what happened um by the grace of god again like god be blessing me man i don't know what it is about me but he be looking out um hey listen <laughs> so so three days before the contract expired and we lose our money right because it was nothing that we can do at this point we didn't have time to try and get more appraisals or just like rework the numbers it was just a wrap at this point we were just right. preparing we were just preparing to chalk up 10 grand I get a call from my agent. He like, man, you won't believe this. You won't believe this. Guess what? I'm like, what? He sound happy. And um, he like, somebody broke into that house, man, and stole all the pipes. I'm like, swear. So now the, the property is damaged, which makes the contract null and void. Oh, wow. Look at that blessing. Yeah. You know what I mean? The, con the, the, the property is no longer in the condition in which we had it under contract there. You know what I mean? So now we can walk away from the contract, get our money back, and just completely walk away from the deal. Uh -huh. And um, that worked out for us, and uh, that was a major blessing. So after that deal, uh, I went back into the NACA office, and I talked to my counselor. Right, right. Can I interject real quick for you? Because uh, you, you lost me for a little bit there. So the 10, the 10 bands, was that money that NACA put up for you that they would have lost, or that's your 10 bands? That was my money. That was earnest money. Like, you got to put... Oh, so you do got to put down yes. earnest money it's not yeah it's not they don't get to keep it so what's going on is 
it's just you pretty much letting them hold money to let them know that you're serious. You know what I mean? Why the contract? Uh, like an interest. So EMD, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's all. And um, and once everything is said and done, the money will come back, whether it be a closing or you know how it work out. Oh, but if it don't it, close, then you you lose it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ooh, boy. That's crazy because you go from thinking it's you ain't gotta put nothing down and I'm just giving this ten as insurance, but you think you confident it's gonna close. Then they're like, yeah. Oh, this shit may not close. It's like, oh yeah. wait, I won't post pay shit. Hold up. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. scary, yeah. bro. Yeah. So so I would have lost ten bands on top of still been trying to look for a crib after losing ten thousand dollars. So it, it would have just been a lot, but luckily it didn't go down like that. Um yeah. so like I said, that happened. That contract was Nolan Boy. We walked away from those people. Um, I went back into the uh, into the NACA office, and we were like, um, "Yo, what's we got to figure this thing out?" And as we were waiting, I heard this girl. She was talking to um, to my NACA counselor, mm-hmm. and um, oh, you was ear hustling. <laughs> I mean, not even. She was just talking loud. It was just talking loud. <laughs> nah, bro, you eavesdropping. <laughs> so. So I hear her talking about how um how she looking for a property that was like six hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like that, and I had been told that you know the limit with NACA was like four hundred and thirty four grand or something like that. So I was looking for properties in the four hundred and thirty four thousand dollar price range. Right. So when she leave out, I immediately walk in like Jamil, what's up? Why? I hear her talking about she can get a property for six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I've been hearing that all we can do is four thirty four. He's like, yeah, if you know, if the numbers work out and everything go like how it's supposed to go, then you can go up to like $949,000 for a four-unit. I'm like, swear. Y'all, that's just crazy. But what if you didn't hear old girl talking? You know, that, yeah, that's, that's the whole that's thing. That's what I say, man. Things, things happen. Things happen for a reason, and they work out in your favor for a reason. Like, you know, like, don't feel like there's a such thing as, um, yeah, coincidence. Like, everything that's going on in your life, at the present time, it's supposed to be happening. You just gotta really be paying attention to the signs and trying to get the lesson for the for the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and at that time, he, you know, he he told me the rules. You can go up to nine hundred and forty nine thousand dollars, et cetera, et cetera. So in Chicago, I'm like, okay, I know what neighborhoods those are. Let me start looking. You know what I'm saying? Like that's Logan Square. You know what I mean? Bucktown, Lincoln Park. Who you know, did the North start side. changing? Yeah, 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 yeah. The North Side. You know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. I'm like, okay. Let me go up north then. And um, we started looking. We started looking. And um, a couple of deals we put offers on, we got beat out. Um, you know, they accepted other offers outside of ours. And then um, this is where things started getting funny again. So this one property was a three-unit. Like I said, two of the units was occupied. Based um, The unit that we would have lived in, phenomenal. The whole building was brand new, laid out. It wow. appraised yeah, it appraised out for like $50,000 more than what they were asking for. So everything about this spot was great. Two-year um, leases on, you know, all the tenants. So we would have been walking into two-year leases, not have to worry about nobody moving for a while. And the rents were already maxed out for the area. So we wouldn't have oh, to book. perfect. Yeah, so we put an offer in on it. Mm-hmm. They told us no, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, no, nah, we ain't fucking with y'all. We cool on that offer or whatever the case may be. So... We like, all right, cool. So we start looking around again, looking at other places. So we found this one place, cool, cool property, very unique. Um, on the lot, there's a three-unit building in the front of the lot. And in the back of the lot, there's a house. 
big old nice beautiful house with a you know rooftop deck where you can see the city all of this they call they call it a coach house so it's a three-unit building on the lot and there's a house on the lot as well and um this property is actually a little bit closer to downtown a little bit nicer of a neighborhood um so this particular property we met with the owner and not the agent because okay. the agent the agent couldn't show up for this particular meeting. So this this worked in our favor. So I'm talking to the guy. He ended up being a Puerto Rican guy. And um, okay. this, was, this was a predominantly Puerto Rican neighborhood before it started gentrifying. And um, he was a developer. So he built the property up really, really nice. Um, the three unit and he lived in the house. So the house, when I say it was, it's laid out, I live in the house now. Like it's, it's laid out, like 12 foot car for ceilings, crown molding, just like hardwood floors, floating stairs. Like he laid the place out. And um, we came in, he had a conversation with him. Um, he was just like, you know, a lot of people been coming in trying to lowball me on the property. You know, I don't know what they think. Like, you know, I guess they think I don't know my, my stuff or whatever, but He's like, I want to do a deal. I'm willing to do a deal, but it got to be right. You know, I'm mm -hmm. not just going to take any low ball offer. So we got to talking or whatever. Um, he met us down the middle. I told him what we needed. He was like, that's fine. Um, and we got the deal done. So the second property, oh, I ain't even tell y'all. So in the, <laughs> midst of all, in the midst of all of that, the people from the three unit called us back and said they accepted our offer. But now, how much time had went by? Probably like a week and a half. Oh, wow. And we had been talking to this guy for a little while, but we hadn't like did a deal all the way yet. We had just been talking back and forth for a little while, seeing if we can get, you know what I mean, the numbers to match up and everything. And in the midst of all that, they called and was like, yeah, you know, we, we thought about it. We looked over the numbers. We want to accept your offer. So we like, oh man, but it just made more sense to be over here because now you have a three unit and a house. It's like, it's like two separate properties. You know what I'm saying? And we don't even have to live on the same property as the tenants. We live our own separate spot while they had their own separate space as well. Wow, that's super dope. So let me ask and, you, so for the second house, that's the one you went with, right? Yeah. So for that second one, was the, I know you said you negotiated with the, with the owner, did you put your offer in at asking price or did you have to go over asking price to secure that? How did that work? So how it worked out was when it comes to me doing deals, I never try to like, unless I know like, okay, it's not going to praise out for this, this house ain't worth this. Then I don't mind offering full price, but my way of doing a deal or structuring a deal is okay. I'll offer you full price but I need you to give me some money back at closing too so I can do whatever it is that I need to do with it, whether it's shot about an interest rate down, whether it's fix up on stuff, even if it's shit, me just putting it in my pocket so I'm not just leaving the situation dead as broke. You know what I'm saying? So I need it to work out for me. So I don't mind offering you full price, but you got to give me something too. That's mm -hmm. why I don't go in like if it's a, a $900,000 property, I'll give you eight fifty. Because then now you're taking away all other negotiating power. Like once you, you know what I'm saying? You ask for $50,000 off the fucking asking price. So now I was right. like, okay, I'll give you that, but don't ask me for shit else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but now when you're like, okay, I'll offer you full price, but this is what I need from you. So now- So what does that, what does those requests look like though? So you know you wanted to walk away with something at closing. Like how do you know? And even with so, just being your first deal, okay. how did you know so, to like make these demands? Yeah, so, so this so this wasn't my first deal. Remember my four unit was my first deal. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you yeah, okay. my four unit was my first deal. Even then, like I had been trained and grew up and been like, you know what I mean, mentored by a broker. You know what I mean? So I got a real estate background. I went to real estate school, all that stuff. So it's just certain tricks of the trade that people don't know when it comes to the numbers, like interest rates and, you know, all of those different things that factor into your mortgage more than the actual cost of the property, okay. you know? So then I'm like, all right, because before we went in on these properties, I always talked to my mortgage counselor and he we go over the numbers. He's like, okay, this is what you would need from the seller. If you got this much money in your bank account, then you you would need to get this from the seller in order for us to buy the interest rate down of this to make the property affordable. So I always run the numbers. I do my my analysis way before I even think about doing an offer because if you don't know where you're going to end up, then you might end up upside down. You know what I'm saying? So always run the numbers and make sure that it's going to be a profit in it for you at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, um, we did everything that we needed to do. He gave me the numbers that I needed. And, um, you know, I went through my age and I'm like, hey, this is what we need. Tell him this is what we'll do. And if he can do this, then we got a deal. And um, he came back. He agreed to everything. And um, it worked out for us. So with the money that he gave us, we were able to buy our, so it's like I said, it's about a million dollar property. It cost like um, eight seventy, but it, it appraised out for like $990,000. So we got a lot got a lot of equity in it on top of um a great deal on it. So with the money he gave us, we bought the interest rate down to zero point eight percent. What? Yeah. So Man, that's a great redrake. Yeah, Yo, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah so zero point eight percent interest rate. Uh-huh. Um, like I say, the property cost was eight seventy nine, praised out for nine ninety. Um, we only had to put down seventy thousand dollars. Wow. Like, wow. so nine hundred thousand dollar property standard will probably be at least 180, 200 grand. So that 70 you had to put down, that was, that was all out your pocket. Yeah, that was out my pocket. Okay. But like, but like 70 grand for a million dollar lick? Like, shit. Why, no, why not? Like, <laughs> it's like. So this is your second one. So for the second one, you put 70 bands into it. Or yeah. closing. So for the yeah. first one is the one you didn't put in, you didn't you yeah. walked away with a check. Yeah, the, the, the first one set me up for the second one because I had I had just cash. So what I did with that cash was I put it into the stock market, and, oh, and a lot of that a lot of that seventy a lot of that seventy thousand it came out of the stock market. I turned that thirteen I turned that thirteen grand into like twenty seven, pulled that you know what I'm saying I had some cash sitting because I never I didn't quit my job so I was still just saving up bread for me working all of those years on top of me not having rent or nothing else you know so it's a snowball effect yeah. we gonna get into that option stuff for sure but I got a few <laughs> more questions more about this yeah, yeah, so, yeah I know that um you know us as a culture you know when we hear these big numbers like million dollar homes 870 900 that shit don't we, scare me no more that should be like what let's <laughs> let's get it like I know I know same here, but you know, for a lot of us, we just be like, man, ain't no way in the hell I can afford that. You know what I'm saying? But you're right. When you put everything into perspective, if you only putting 70 bands down on a million dollar property, man, that's a lick. That's great. And then, and then mind you, 70 bands on 1.4 million dollars worth of property because the first one is included in that. I just didn't put nothing down. Like, you know what I'm saying? So seventy thousand dollars, zero point eight percent interest rate, two and a half percent interest rate, and at this point, it's just like all equity. Cause I ain't paid for shit besides some little repairs and you know what I'm saying like stuff to keep the property value up. 
So, right. like, at this point, when I retire with these joints, it's going to be about two million, two and a half million dollars worth of assets. Like, I would have, I, I would have been recouped my seventy thousand times five at that point in the next twenty, thirty years. You know what I'm saying? So I'll be in profited money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you ain't, you, this is the same. You ain't refinance nothing I, or anything. I would never do that. My interest rates are too low. Why the fuck would I refinance? Oh, yeah, 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 I'm tripping. That's true. You can't refinance on zero. <laughs> like, why would I do that? Try to get it. <laughs> who refinancing out of zero point eight? That's true. <laughs> And that's like, why NAC it seems so attractive. Like you just just some you don't hear zero point. You said what is it zero point eight? Yeah. So I want to ask you though, going back to NACA, um, you know, um, like when I even when I looked into it, it just seemed like it was a lot of negative talk about. It. Like for instance, even talking to realtors, it just seemed like a lot of realtors. You say NACA program, the financing you use it, and they like, oh no no, I'm good. It take too long. You know so, why? Like, that's why you heard what you just said. It takes too long. People don't want to put in the work. Like people like. So for me, that's like, that's a no-brainer. I would have how long it take for me to get a zero-point interest rate. That's like, real. A zero-point eight, like, I, how, long, how long you say I need to wait? All right, cool, because I'd rather have that than that 4.2 that y'all offering that y'all talking about is a good interest rate. Because over, over time, that 4.2, you're going to end up paying way more interest for the property than you're actually paying for the value of the property. And that 0 0.8 is fixed, right? Yeah. I'm moving. That ain't going oh, nowhere. Man, that's so love. Over the course of 30 years? Man, that's of, and mind you, in this area, these rents are high as hell. For one bedroom, it's like sixteen dollars to $1,700. So you know, wow. it's profits every month. That's that's real. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's worth waiting for. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the issue. We don't be that's, wanting that's, to When I hear people like, with that instant gratification shit, they taking too long. They ain't doing this for me or they ain't doing that for me. First off, you're responsible for you. So they're not supposed to be doing anything for you. Like they're there to help you and get you into your home or whatever, but they're not there to babysit you or any of that. So you're going to have to call them. You're going to have to follow up. You're going to have to email. You're going to have to do these things constantly. One, because this is just how it goes. And two, they have 50 million people trying to do the same thing as your ass. So we're right. going to be some type of priority over anybody else that's been in line way before you. So you got to grind, you got to hump, you got to push, and you got to get on these people's ass just like everybody else do in order to get your deal done. Neither of my deals were easy. Neither of them. But I just know how to deal with people in the NACA office. You got to stay on their ass. You got to keep calling. You got to keep emailing. Do what you need to do to get your deal done. They don't take it personally. They know how this goes. This is life-changing shit for people. Mm -hmm. Why would they Personally, they know what you're trying to get done. They know there's a sense of urgency when it comes to people trying to change and break generational curses over their lives. Like, you know, yeah. they understand that. It definitely seems life-changing. So how, how does that process look like? So I know that you guys, uh, NACA has this uh, general intake, right? And then you do another intake with the, you get assigned a counselor, right? Yeah. How does, so after that, at what point when you get, they tell you you disapproved or approved, at so what point down, do you start, start counseling? So once you sit down with your counselor, you know, that's when y'all really like dig in and get to the meat of everything. And they, you know, go and go through your bank accounts, check your work history, tax records. That's that you give them all your documents that they need to, you know, put in the system, upload to the underwriters and everything. And then once they get all your documents, they're going to tell you, okay, moving forward, this is what you need now. And um, you have to be consistent. And on top of that stuff, make sure your files are updated. Make sure you're emailing them every time you get paid, your check stubs, like all of these different things. 
And then once you good to go, they make sure you ain't got no debt in your name. They make sure your job history and all of that stuff is legit. You're going to get an approval letter. Once you get an approval letter, they'll, um, they'll either assign you an agent if you can't have, if you can't find one or you go out and find your own agent. So your attorney and you start looking like, like I said, it's the same process as everybody else. I don't know why people try to make it seem like it's so hard and so like just difficult. But at the end of the day, those other um, lenders are a lot easier because they giving you a, a four percent interest rate. So yeah, come on, let's let's go ahead and get this deal done quick before you change your <laughs> mind about NACA. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right, right. Lock so, in before you go find out about somebody else. So that's dope. So they already got people in house. They assign you to in terms of realtor and lawyer. Did you yeah. do your own realtor or you use what you? Absolutely, because I feel like those guys are just too overwhelmed with people. They're like public defenders, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like they just, they just, too, they got too much going on. And I don't necessarily feel like they're going to have your absolute best interest in mind. I think they're just trying to get a deal done so they can get a check and, you know, move you through the program. Not saying anything bad about it because they're there to help at the end of the day because you don't have anybody on or nobody. So they still going to be there to assist you along the way. But, with anything or with anybody, I just always try to encourage people to be knowledgeable and have your own team, have your own, you know what I mean? Just like allies on your side, so whereas you don't have to necessarily trust and believe what nobody else is saying. And, and if you do, just make sure that they're trustworthy and you really rock with them like that. Um, my main thing for people is, man, just be knowledgeable yourself. Even if you got an agent, even if you got whatever it is, just like, still know stuff yourself you know what i mean that's what's super duper important you got to be able to like identify certain things understand certain lingo like see what a good deal or a bad deal is on your own without you necessarily having to look to your agent or your attorney like yeah you think i should do this like because they'll tell you anything just to get a check like you know what i mean that's true you know and um chicago is a real competitive market um did you yeah right did you have to um First of all, was your was your property both your properties were they off the MLS or were they off market or how did that work? Um, did you no, have they, no, they were they were both on the MLS. I'm, I found both of my properties. I sent them to my agent. So, it, like I say, at this point, I was I was so knowledgeable and understood everything. All I really needed my agent to do was write up the paperwork. I found my own properties, like all of that stuff. Like here, write this up, set up the the, the you know what I mean, the uh, the viewing or whatever to go see it. Being that your market is so competitive, was there like multiple offers or and he selected yours or? Um, for the second deal, no. For the first one, yes. So the first deal, it was crazy because I had uh, put in an offer. They accepted it. And I was geeked. Like, I was happy. Like, yeah, this was sweet. Like, I had went to like a Rich Dad Poor Dad seminar that day. Like, I was just feeling good about myself. Like, man, uh -huh. I, mean, I got my first contract on my first piece of real estate. I'm going to go learn some more about real estate from like yeah. top real estate guru in the world. Like I was just on 10, <laughs> right? So I'm sitting there waiting on this um, rich dad, poor dad seminar to start. And my agent called me like a bunch of times and I wasn't answering because I was in a seminar or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, let me go see what's going on. Cause he ain't calling me like this for nothing. And um, I checked my voicemail. He like, man, you need to give me a call back ASAP. It's like very important. So I called him back. He like, uh, I got some bad news. I'm like, what you mean you got some bad news? Uh, I'm feeling good. Like, I'm on a high. Like, what's up? He's like, um, so remember I told you they accepted the offer that we put in early? I'm like, yeah. He was like, well, the wife was there, but the husband wasn't home to sign the contract. So as the husband was at work and he was coming home to sign the contract, another offer came in. 
seriously yeah another offer came in and um the offer was cash my uh, offer wasn't cash yeah and offer, wow. and typically, that's a big and difference but yeah, you would typically, one person signed yeah typically that's how i always lost out on um cash offers when somebody offering cash that'd be like a a no-brainer to a seller like i can get my money in a week i ain't gotta wait 30 45 days go through all of these different inspections somebody's want to buy the property and give me my cash right now even if it's a little bit less than what you know what i mean somebody who has a lender is offering they're still like i'll take the cash offer because there's no headache and it don't come with like no no contingencies it's just cash as is most times you know yeah and um so, oh, go ahead so he told me that i was sick yeah, and, um, I'm like, so what do we do? He's like, so they didn't say that they accepted that offer, but they did say they're going to consider both of us. So we have to put in our best offer by by tomorrow at nine o'clock. Mm -hmm. So I had to go up on my offer an extra twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, and um, and at that point, I still didn't know if I was going to get the property. Really? So it worked. Yeah, so it worked out. I ended up getting it because those people who offer cash they came back with the same offer cash like we offering you cash what more do you want wow so, so you know, he took the financing one even though it was more but he, he took your financing one he turned down a cash offer even yeah that's interesting yeah. and this was on your first property or your second yeah, my first property okay that's super yeah. dope hey they say what god has for you no man can stop right yeah yeah it's crazy and every time every time like because through NACA, you need a uh, one of the pro one of the um, apartments or whatever to be vacant, so you can move in there, or you gonna have to put somebody out. Every single time, it was already one available. Everything else was filled up, and the one that I wanted to move in, it was available every single time. I never wow. had to put nobody out. I had just none of that. It just worked out in my favor both times, and it's crazy, like super crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I wanted to get off into the um, well. One more thing about the the NACA program. So being that that's one of your ch that was one of your challenges um, in terms of the you know some people offer cash, whereas you know you're dealing with financing. Have you ever had a challenge to where you're dealing with some owners when you tell them your financing is NACA and they like, oh no, we good, deny, deny, deny. No. Okay. Because people don't know who NACA is. Okay. That's good because I'm hearing something about like nobody, no seller, sellers really don't be wanting to deal with NACA because of the limited yeah, no, time. Yeah, no, people don't even know who NACA is, honestly. Um, okay. Sometimes, like, sometimes it can be a little bit of a headache, but once like I put like my counselor from NACA on the phone with like the the agents, I'm like, oh, okay, they cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's never really a big deal. People just be trying to get deals done, honestly. Like, yeah. they don't where it's coming from. They just be trying to get a deal done. Gotcha. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, so I want to pivot. I want to transition into this option, option, um, the stock option buying and stuff that you into. Um, well, one more, one last question about NACA. How about start to finish, how long did it take you on your first property? Um, like from like when I first went to their first meeting or like from when I first started like with my mortgage counselor? Yeah, your first meeting to, you know, and wrapping up, closing. Um, From my very first meeting with my mortgage counselor, it was January to May, because I had to get a couple of things in order first. That's why I try to encourage people and tell people, like, man, like, make sure that when you're um, 
going through NACA, you already have your T's crossing your eyes dotted, making sure your debt paid off, all of that. Don't go in there thinking that this is a game because they're not going to play with you. Like, you know what I mean? Go in there ready to rock and roll, and it can be very beneficial to you. But if not, they're going to let you know, like, hey, you got some things to get together, and it's going to take a little longer than what you expected. No. Yeah, that's real. Okay, yeah. Cool. So yeah, I want I want to pivot. And I want to talk about this these twenty five thousand days that you be having with the stock trading. Because <laughs> <laughs> I heard that, I said, "Oh, I'm living wrong. I need to get off into this options thing." Can we talk a little bit about that? What's your experience in that? How did you get into option trading? Um, I got into options trading because. I follow Black Wealth Renaissance, and um, I always used to see. Um, Shout out to David Ballard; he was on the podcast. Yeah, I always see um, Charles's ads on there, and um, and I follow Charles. Like I just, you know, I always like style or whatever the case may be, and I follow him. I always see him post up. You know, he he just got a lot of followers who post their wins. You know what I mean? And post how they be doing so good and options. And um, I'm like, man, this shit look good, but it looked too good to be true, too. You know. Mm-hmm. And um, and typically when it's something like that, I don't really pay a lot of attention to it. But one day I saw somebody that I knew mm-hmm. that posted a testimonial. I'm like, oh, this got to be legit. Yes. So then following day, he had a sale for like $50. Okay. And I'm like, man, $50? I'll spend that on weed like in a day. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. Let me buy this course. So I got it. And from Friday to Sunday, I studied the course and watched the course, and I jumped in the market Monday. That Monday, I made twelve hundred dollars. Wow! Your first day, your first trade. Yeah, yeah my first trade, I made twelve hundred dollars off a two hundred dollar investment. Wow! So, look at yeah, that's yeah. A so a return. Yeah, and just from there, it's just been up. Like I've had some terrible days too. I've had days where I lost twenty thousand dollars, but how far I've been up is just like. Like, I'm still in the green, like, you know what I'm saying? And I've gotten smarter. I've only been doing options for, at this point, three months now. Wow. Like, I'm, I'm very new to it, but I've had a lot of success. But I also knew the stock market before mm-hmm. I got into options. Remember me telling you, like, I had been studying the stock market back since 2015 when I was trying to figure out what to do with my money and whatnot. And so, I so had... you traditionally... Yeah, I was doing long-term investing, but now this is like stocks on steroids. Like, oh shit, like, I ain't know about this. Yeah, this- that's why I'm gonna ask you. Like, how did you already know the market? Like you said, you started that next day. How did you know what to buy? But you already had experience. Yeah, that's I had not- been reading Kiplinger's magazine, like just all of these different things that like taught me the stock market. And um, I just was like, you know what? I'm gonna go with this. I'm not gonna. Hold, hold on, hold on, Dre. One second, Amon. Can you um? I'll, I'll put it up after. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm like, this is this is this is it. Like this, this is too sweet. So I started, like I say, um, just making better picks. Um, mm-hmm. Just just coming, just being, just doing better strategies, and just having a lot more success. And it was mm-hmm. working out. And um and then Todd just started reposting me and like advertising me and, mm-hmm. and it's just been he's just been my guy since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now Charles is, is a cool brother. I met up with, with him when I was in LA and uh he got coffee and everything. He's definitely a cool dude, very inspirational. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, cool, cool, cool. So you only 90 days in and you've been you've been doing it. That's so tell me, tell me what's been your biggest win and what's been your biggest loss and what you learned from both. Uh the $25,000 in 10 minutes was my biggest win. And then um I say I had days where I didn't lost like ten, thirteen thousand dollars. But the thing is I don't I don't call it losing yeah. because I didn't stay, I didn't sell. You know what I'm saying? But I've been I've had days where I've been down that much. Like I didn't lose that much because like I said, I didn't sell and my contract didn't expire. But I've had days I've been down, like I say, shit, sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars. Shit over the past couple of days when everything was red, I was just down a whole bunch of money. So Yeah. But I buy longer contracts at this point, so I don't really concern myself with that because I know it's going to go back up. Got you. So for those that want to get involved in option trading, I definitely I recommend Todd's course as well. Are you also a part of the community? I didn't join the community um, because I want to stick with what I know and I want to study the companies that I know. In the, in the community, I know they um, – they call out a lot of plays and do a lot of um, group stuff. Not I, not that I think anything is wrong with it, because if you're a beginner and you don't know how to do anything or how to research anything, that's a great place to start and learn from. But for me, I felt like it would have been um, a little bit of a distraction from what my strategy is. You know what I'm saying? I don't necessarily listen to other people a lot, unless like it's like, um, like I say, somebody like Charles, somebody like Ian, the master investor, somebody like Mark Monroe, you know what I mean? The guys from Earn Your Leisure people mm -hmm. like that um outside of that i just try to do my own research and study as best as i can what's some of the uh what's some resources that you would recommend for someone wanting to get involved in option trading um i i do a lot of um research on yahoo finance i do a lot of research inside of Robinhood. um just um like i say i i deal with three companies personally i don't really jump around and try to you know, find out who hot and who not. I deal with Amazon, I deal with Apple, I deal with Tesla. And outside of that, I deal with like... Cheap. I mean, I ain't really the cheap type, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, <laughs> you like, say you got to play big, you, to win big, you got to play yeah, big. Like, like, how you think I'm winning 20, how you think I'm hitting for 25K? It ain't because I'm, you know what I mean? But you can hit for that much money on a smaller contract too. So, can I ask you if it ain't... Too, too much TMI or getting in your business. For you to have a 25 win, like that win that you did have, how much did you have to invest on that contract? I think I had like three grand in on that contract. But that's when like that's back that's when Amazon and Tesla contracts were cheapest, like super duper cheap. Like now they threw the roof. But then yeah. they weren't much. And um and I had uh I had bought those contracts on red days. So like both of them were down like a hundred dollars or something like that when I bought them. So I bought them for cheap, and then, like the next day, they just like took off like crazy. And I had bought in the money, mm -hmm. so when you buy in the money, and then they go way past in the money, that just like puts you at next level uh, profits. So I'm just like, that was crazy. And like I yeah, said, all that's a great, that gotta be a great feeling. Yeah, I mean, but you lose money the same way just as fast. So. That gotta be a terrible feeling. <laughs> Yeah. It comes with the territory. That's interesting because when I was an undergrad and, um, you know, that's when Apple and uh, mainly Apple was cheap in the market. And I don't know where my head was at. I was putting sounds in my car, just being ignorant, <laughs> spending my money, like my refund money, just recklessly. Yeah. And 10 years later, I'm looking back at it like, man, if I only put like 2000 yeah. in the market, then you know how much that would be worth today. Yeah. And I look at like, uh, I know you're a part of, um, 
well, I'm on, uh, they, they call it Black Wealth Twitter, and I'm happy I tapped into that. And I just look at some of the people that's on there, these 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds. I, I know that the internet is different, but when I was in undergrad, social media was really for, you know, post a status, post a picture. Yeah. Now, it's so much information and free game that's being passed along. It and is. I look at these 19, 20, 21-year-olds, I'm like, man, what was I thinking back then? But that's it just in in it in it just like it makes you want to be more responsible with your money now. Like damn, so if I could have did that ten years ago, imagine if I go ahead and put me some money up now in another ten years, what it'll do. Mm -hmm. Let me not the opportunity again. You know, because you yeah. don't get no younger. So you the youngest you'll be today. Yeah, facts. <laughs> Right. That's cool, man. So, so what's next for you on the on the on the options and on on the real estate real estate side? What's your what's your vision? What's your goals? Um, at this point, like I say, just fixing up on my properties, adding value to them, making sure they maintain their value. Um, options. I'm really pulling back a lot of my um, options profits and scaling back on just like the contracts and really just doing more so long term investing. So a lot of the profits that I've made in options, I've taken them and bought like long term Apple and Tesla shares. Um, and as far as real estate, you know, I'm going to keep on investing. I got another two years before I can buy another property as far as through finance and I may be able to use cash. Um, I just found um, a really dope area across the water, across Lake Michigan here over in Michigan that are, um, they selling some nice little Airbnb properties for a little bit of nothing. Oh, yeah. So, I see you. I've seen that you just yeah. posted that on Instagram. Those look yeah, really yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. I might look into that. Um just at this point, I'm not sure. Just like I got hella options and just really just, you know, kind of looking into them and weighing them and going to make a decision probably at the top of the year on what's next as far as real estate. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, I'm going to have to holler, holler at you too off, off this interview too, because uh, you got me, I, I was going to do FHA, but now you really got me thinking doing NACA and I was actually thinking about do NACA and If you do NACA, your FHA is still available to you. Yeah. So what makes you, so why do you got two years? You got to wait till you do your next one. Um, because I've been filing zero as far as income through my businesses and I need to show income for at least two years. On I see. Yeah. yeah. I definitely want to talk to you about the Chicago market. Cause like you, I know I want to do a four, a three or a four family. And I know you guys got really nice, you know, multi-families out there, probably the best in the market actually in the country. Yeah. Sorry. Ours are pretty and, um, the rents, the return around on the rents is real good too, and the and apartments is decent sizes. I know a lot of times in some areas, it'd be too high. Um, the apartments be small. People don't like this. It just be a lot of issues here. Typically, when you pay decent rent, you get nice apartments in nice areas. See the thing too. When I say Chicago, my mom be like, "Oh yeah, moving into Chicago." You know, she live life through TV and think that everybody live on oh. the south side. <laughs> everything, ain't, everything ain't like that. At yeah, all, it'd it be small pockets of the city where it's like that. Yeah. So you bought your properties on North Side, right? Uh, one of them is in the West Suburbs, and then this one is on the North Side. Yeah. Is it Rogers Park? No. Uh, um, Wicker Park, Bucktown. Okay, I have heard of that. They call it West, like a little pocket of um, like Ukrainian Village, West Town, uh, Bucktown, Wicker Park, East Humble Park. So it's okay. like a little like Logan Square. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. 
for we coming up on just over an hour now i do uh i got a couple more questions for you you know for the culture is always about duality so we talk serious stuff things that's necessary but we also get into some fun stuff i had a question about uh well i know you, you got some um former nba buddies do you watch the game do you watch the nba um i do but i haven't been uh recently because i've been watching a lot of um youtube videos like um just like investment stuff options like, like i said earn your leisure to come up series with mark monroe um i watch a lot of um like todd stuff just like i've been more so locked in on just feeding myself and feeding my brain what i really need as opposed to being entertained you know no, I get that. I love EYO too. I feel you. All right. Well, I was going to ask you some basketball stuff. You we'll can, have... though. I'm, I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> I still get up and watch sports and all that. I'm not completely oblivious to what's going on. Yeah, I <laughs> all right. Cool. Ball. So I was going to ask you who do you got winning? Who do you think um, is going to win this bubble championship this year? Um, That's hard. I feel like the Lakers will probably win, honestly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It just, just based on, just based on, like, you know, just like the lineup, just like the way the year has gone, just like you know what I mean. Who's who? Who has the most motivation to win? Like just like all of those things, I feel like just everything like falls in their favor. Yeah, I agree. Especially they got to do it for Kobe in LeBron's Kobe window. In LeBron window, they talking about he getting old. He trying to win the MVP. Just like it's like I said, it's a lot of different factors. So yeah. It's just so crazy that LeBron been in the league 17 years. Like, I don't know where time went. I've been watching this man since I was in high school. I'm not saying. I was in high school. Time is just flying. But, um, okay, cool, cool. One last thing. So, um, what are what are you reading? What's something – what's some books you recommend? Um, My favorite book is um, The Seven um, – Habits of Highly Effective People. No, 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 no. I like that book, too. But okay. um, let me see. I'm, I, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get my favorite. Book. All right, cool. No problem. The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. That's my favorite book. Oh, that, book. that author. I, like, remember the name of because there's so many books with the seven this and this and that. But yeah. the Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And right now, I'm really working on detachment. That's one of the laws. Um, and it's and it's super duper important because we as people have a tendency to try to force our will and force our wants on other people and just really like um, make situations worse. You know what I mean? By doing that. And if we were able to just detach a lot easier and detach a lot more, mm -hmm. the world would be a happier place. We would be much happier people if we just really like focused on letting other people be happy without us trying to force what it is that we want onto others. Mm, that sounds like a good one. It's called detachment. I need to check that out. That, that's the law of detachment. There are seven laws. It's called the seven spiritual laws of success. But that's okay. the favorite. Like, that's my favorite chapter. Oh, okay. That's your favorite law. Dope, dope, dope. Okay. What's some, um, if you got some parting advice for someone that wants to get involved in real estate, um, I think the way that you did it is um, the best way. Because, you know, when most people get into real estate, Usually they buy their primary residence and it's usually a single family. But the, the way that you did it, which I think is the best way, is house hacking. House hacking format to where, you know, you get the property, but it's a multi-family and, you know, you live in one unit and the other tenants, um, you know, are essentially paying your mortgage. So you basically yeah. live free. So I think that's ideal. But um, so, yeah, what would you say uh, for someone wanting to get in real estate in terms of... Um, investing you got any words of advice man like 
be cheap, be tight, like hold on to your money. You're going to need the money. You know what I mean? To take care of your property and the property going to take care of you. Don't mm-hmm. need and go out and buy a bunch of shit that you don't need and a bunch of shit that you want because you feel like you got money coming now. Like, no, mm-hmm. that money is going to be needed to take care of your property, to maintain your property, to invest back into your property. And when you do that, I promise you, your property will pay dividends and take care of you for your entire life. Man, that's such a gem. Where was you at eight, nine months ago? Because I do think it's so essential to remain liquid. And anytime you can use leverage, I think that's ideal. And that's why the NACA program, I think, especially for our culture, I think the lack of wealth comes from, you know, the lack of ownership. And this program is like the green light for a lot of us to, are you, you know, you basically have obtained a million dollars worth of assets, you know, and this program has helped you. Uh, so that's dope, man. Congratulations. Yeah, and I say it to people all the time without sounding arrogant. It's just true. Like, man, I've attained over $1.4 million worth of assets with some of the lowest interest rates, the lowest down payments, all of these things that you won't be able to find anywhere else. And I'm set for the rest of my life. Like, I have low interest, high rents, mm-hmm. and equity. That equals wealth. Low rents. Don't get no better. <laughs> Don't get no better than that. Yeah. So let me ask you, are you, are people able to use multiple NACA mortgages? No, I did it through my partner. That's a cheat sheet for real. I did it through my girlfriend the second time. And what happened was I just ended up putting my name on the deed on the second one. Oh, that's a good girlfriend. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm a good boyfriend because I had to pay most of the money to get this motherfucker. So. Okay. Yeah. Because the second deal was where you had to put 70,000 down, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, y'all get to each other. That's love. Put a ring on it. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Okay, Dre, this has been great, man. I appreciate your time, brother. I think that listeners, uh, you know, myself as well, has definitely learned a lot. Um, I appreciate you for sharing your, you know, this game and your experience. Um, so where can people find you that want to follow you on social media, connect with you, maybe actually more? Um, Instagram mainly, um, at renaissance125. Um, and I have a website, www.therenaissanceu, and that's the letter U, dot com. Um, and there you can find all of my content, my documentary, um, my introduction to real estate course, which I put together so I don't have to go crazy and answer DMs all day long. Everything that oh, I pre- course. What, what Yeah, everything. Um, it covers a little bit of everything. Everything that I pretty much know um, in real estate. You know what I mean? And that has helped me get here from real estate types and classes, different ways to invest, um, real estate cycles, understanding the markets, what makes a good investment, how to use leverage, like all of these different things. We cover all of that stuff in my course. And um, I call it an introduction course, but it's really a course that anybody can learn from and get information from, even if you're already in real estate. Okay. That sounds in depth. So Guys, you know, if you, you you guys that's listening, you hear that this brother has a wealth of knowledge. He's even offering more than what you hear in this hour-long podcast. He actually has a, a course. I'm going to have to check that out myself, man, because uh, you, has, you just shared so much knowledge. I want to learn more. So, all right, Dre, this has been great. I appreciate your time. This is for the Culture Podcast episode. This is episode... Wow, 14, episode 14. And uh, I'm your girl, the one and only Tay Jordan. You can follow me on Instagram at one underscore Tay Jordan. Again, that's one underscore T-A-Y, Jordan like Mike. You can also follow the podcast 
if you're watching the visuals on YouTube, make sure you subscribe on YouTube. That's for the culture podcast. And uh, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at underscore the number four, the culture with a K. And uh, peace and love. Godspeed.